Preston Rogers, listen to the Atomic Podcast. We blows things up on a verbal scale. It's the Atomic Podcast. Produced by the E, the HNIC, repping New York City. Live and direct, cause he always come correct. When he does an interview, it makes the streets all connect. He stimulates the brain, the mobile device. And what he smash like the Hulk when he claps you with advice. It's all about the news when he drops and beats home. So pay close attention, shit's about to explode. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from the Upper West Side, New York City, where we blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Efren Guzman, and my guest today, he's a big actor, and he's a wrestler, and he's, you could say, a stunt person. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the one, the only, the man with three first names, James Preston Rogers. How you doing, James? Oh, it was great to have you, man. Um, you, you want me to call you James, Jim? What you want me to call you, Big? Never that, never that, man. How's everything going by you? Yeah, very good. I, I moved out here to LA. I'm from Toronto. I moved to LA uh, last year, and uh, down here chasing the dream, man. Living the dream. It's uh, fantastic. Things are going great. Uh, um, you know, there's a lot of great people that came out of Toronto. Um, how's everything in Toronto, growing up in Toronto? Toronto's really cool. It's uh, super multicultural. So, like, all well, my best friends, like Chinese, uh, Jamaican, I've from a lot of Jamaicans growing up. Uh, I mean, it's just such, a, such an ethnicity. So, like, you're, you're diverse with your food and your accents, which help me in when I get certain roles, I have to do certain accents. Uh, you know, Russell Peters is a good buddy of mine. He came out of Toronto. Um, it's just it's just a really diverse place, really comfortable. Uh, it was not there wasn't much guns when I was growing up. There wasn't much violence. Just kind of getting every kind of got along. Uh, you're free to be yourself. I think that was the first city that had uh, same sex marriages. I think so. It's, it's really really laid back up there. Uh, the laws are, are really easy breezy. It's a really calm, cool place to grow up in. It's uh, I'm proud to be from Toronto. I'm a proud Canadian for sure. Oh, oh um, um, is it is that a fact? Is it the first place to have same sex marriage? Is that- I I, I remember hearing that like back in a long time ago, and, and now it's happening in the USA more. And I'm like, oh, you know, I can't do that years ago. So, like I said, it's a really relaxed environment in which to grow up. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm happy to be Canadian for sure. Well, it sounds similar to New York City because in New York City, you know, it's all, they call it the melting pot. So you'll have a Chinese restaurant on one block, the next block you'll have an Irish. You know, is it similar to that, Toronto? Very much so, but I, what I feel down in the USA is um, you're either white or black, kind of. I don't feel that in Canada. I don't feel, I had to be taught what racism was in school. My best friend was Leroy Forrester, and we're in like kindergarten grade one, and I remember the teacher was explaining racism to us, and we're like, so I don't like Leroy because his hair's curly and, and his skin is darker than mine, but like, yeah, like, that for real? Like, we, I, we, it just wasn't, it's not prevalent up there at all, but I come to the States and I actually feel... I feel like I'm a white guy here. Sometimes I get a little bit of treatment. I'm like, huh, I don't get that in Canada. I'm like, uh-huh. I kind of, a couple of, a couple of instances, like, uh, like, like I, went, I went to get uh, my um, my driver's license, and uh, she swiped my passport. For some reason, it came back fraudulent. The numbers bounced. Bounced once, bounced twice, bounced three times. She's like, well, I gotta, I got to fill this form out because you know, it came back fraudulent. Like, Listen, I traveled here on this passport. This is my passport. Okay, so she swept it the fourth time it went through. It's like, great, well, technically I'm supposed to supposed to go through and fill this file up for you. know what, don't, don't worry about it, it's okay, it's okay. I'm like, huh, okay, I mean, I'm a white guy in the 
USA, all of a sudden I'm starting to know like, like I mean, he's passed. Like, didn't Eddie Murphy do a skit like that years ago? Or uh, one of those talk show hosts did. Anyway, I just, I just know it's such a difference down here. It's not, uh, it's not good or bad. It's just, uh, it's just different. USA and Canada are different in that aspect. Pretty much the same, like, uh, street signs, uh, culture, food, stuff like that. But I, I do know if I get a break from time to time. Like, I see the bus stop. I take the bus once the bus stops, like, in the middle of the road for me. I'm like, huh, because I'm a white guy in the USA, maybe. I don't know, man, but uh, being Canadian, uh, we grew up in such, such multicultures. Like, I, it's the same amount of everybody, same amount of Indians, same amount of blacks. It's so diverse, and all in the same street. Like, they're, they're not segregated. Like, you don't have Chinatown, you don't have little India, you don't have little... It, it's everyone everywhere. And I mean, you hear Somalian on the bus, you hear, like, all kinds of stuff. I'm really, I'm really thankful that I grew up uh, without racism jammed down my throat, and all my friends are from different parts of the world, and I, and I do can speak with accents, and I enjoy different foods and different palates. Uh, my wife is actually Mexican. Um, yeah, so for me, there's no borders, man. I got can can. It's very cool like that. I really, really try to be Canadian, like I said. Also, your wife is Mexican. Um, do you speak Spanish as well? Muy poquito. <laughs> I mean, uh, little, little, little bit. I have to because your parents uh, don't speak very much English. So, uh, yeah, working on. I guess, I'm, I'm not. I'm better every day. That's what I tell my wife. I'm a little better every day. Um, um, how how do you communicate with your in laws? Uh, my wife's a great translator. She speaks English and Spanish. <laughs> so we get along really well. But um, you know, it it, it uh, I, I can. I can speak general stuff. Like, I can ask stuff. I can understand more than I can speak for sure because their mouth, doing that, it's very difficult for my, uh, my Caucasian mouth and the English-speaking palate to get around that stuff. But, uh, uh, yeah, my wife's there at my stance 100%. Ah, that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Um, yeah, um Was you always a tall guy growing up? Like, you know, how old were you? When you were 12 years old, how, um, what was your height? I was, like, I was always a slightly taller kid. Like, I was always in the middle taking pictures in class. I was in the, in the back, back row, middle, standing up. I was always a taller kid. And then I got into basketball. And my friend, my, my one of my best friends, Yu Sang Man, was Chinese. His parents are like, I don't know, five feet, three. My, my, my parents are tall. My other friend, Lloyd Thomas, uh, his parents were tall, but we willed ourselves to be tall. Man, I think Yu Sang is like six feet. He's like, he's like the tallest trans guy I know. Um, and we did, um, uh, I did like, Okay, when you get out of school, it's what, June? So for July and August, in grade 10, I got out in June. So for the month of July, month of August, for that's eight weeks, I grew six inches, half an inch a week, man. I left I left school 5'10", I came back 6'4", in September. I'd grown out of my back-to-school clothes. My dad was like, what the hell? Oh I, I just had a huge growth spurt, man, six, six inches in two months. So I, 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 left, I got me to 6'4", I've topped off at about 6'6", six six now, about 270 pounds, but I was skinny. So it took me years of eating in, in the gym to uh, finally look uh, proportionate. And, you know, people are like, oh, you're so big. I'm like, actually, I'm just proportionate. I'm not big. I'm just finally got into my proportion. So, uh, yeah, that was a long road coming. But, uh, you know, exciting, exciting to live, live in the dream, man. So I'm totally happy. Oh, wow. So you, you must have had to look for, like, a lot of big and tall stories and stuff, right? Yeah, especially back then because I'm, I'm 43 now. So you go back 20 years ago, man, there was no size 13. There was... Actually, I'm a 14 now. There's no 14. Jeez. Pants on the rack. Impossible. Like, I was the guy that would go to the nightclub and, uh, go to, go to the nightclub. But I never had dress shoes that fit that, that big. I had basketball shoes that played basketball. So I'd try to get with the basketball shoes and, and the bouncer would be like, you can't get in here with those sneakers. Oh man, the shame. I had to go wait in the car. My friends were in the club. I felt so bad. Years later, I become a doorman and having those 
being on the other side of the fence, when I saw somebody in a dress code, I'd always got a big sign, go, hey, become a doorman like how does you know of course you're tall like what is it is like doormans are us like how do you you know how people always big guys always find jobs as like a doorman or a bouncer like how how'd you how did that fall upon you i followed the doorman yeah i was um i was training at the gym yeah i was training with a buddy of mine and he was huge and he knew that this head doorman from this club and they were talking yada 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 kind of wasn't really working anything i kind of just got out of college uh like you know come by the club so i thought okay so i go by the club that night I walk up to the front of the club and one of the doormen are dragging the staff by his hair kicked into the face. I'm like, what the oh, hell? What is, what is this place, man? <laughs> Next thing you know, you got the job, you're hired. And I come in, I come in to the, to the, to the, to the, to the, to the club the next night. And I'm, like, I'm young, I'm like 19, man. I'm like 19, 20. And these guys are like, you know, 28, 35. They're like career guys. They'll put me aside and go, listen, kid, if, if the whistle goes and you're not in there, they're going to talk to stage us at the end of the night. I'm like, oh, oh my God. It's like one of those massive clubs with like dirty doormen. Yeah. Oh, man, so the whistle blowing at 2 o'clock, last call. You're just, you're knuckling up somebody all the time. And, but they were really cool back then. Back then, you know, you get an altercation. They'd come back the next week. Like, hey, man, that was a good shot. You served me last week. And it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Like, it was no big deal. Like, I later to advance if the guys are carrying weapons and it got a little more dangerous. But in the beginning stages, guys are just, you know, they knuckle up and, you get the better of a guy, you get the worse of a guy, you get the worse of it, you get the better of you, and it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, and those were, those were some pretty cool days, man. Oh, how, how, how many years you was doing that? Jeez, I did 20, I did, I did about 19, about 10 years, and I got to 30, I'm like, that's it, I'm not going to be a 30-year-old doorman. I went to the job with my, <laughs> with my, my dad, my dad's an elevator mechanic, one of the highest paying trades, it really was, if I started off, I remember getting up, and it takes like an hour to get into the city, and then you do like an eight-hour day, an hour for lunch, like a nine-hour day, another hour back, so ten hours, I get home, I pass, and I wake up, boom, five and more, do it all over again. Yeah. I got my paycheck at the end of the week, and I'm like, man, I need more money being a doorman. I was doing like five hours a night, you know, at nighttime, so like after work, you kind of come home, and then the way home, you stop off and eat your groceries, and you park right at the front, and there's no one in the store, and there's one cashier, there's no lines, no presents. So being a doorman was really cool in, in, in terms of you get all your other stuff done really easy because in the daytime, everyone's awake and, and there's lines everywhere and the traffic lights and the traffic. But at nighttime, you're coming out at 3, 4 in the morning. You're the only guy on the road. You drive straight home. You know, stop and get food. You're the first guy in line. So uh, it was a blessing in that disguise. So those are, I did that for, from the 20 to 30. I worked my dad for like maybe six months. And I, just, oh, I just couldn't handle it, man. Like real job stuff has always been a really tricky for me. I've had like every job going. Like I've loaded trucks. I've worked in restaurants. I've been waitering. I did. Uh, I was a, I was a chef at Mother's Pizza for a while. I worked as a uh, uh, what do they call those guys in the my first doorman job in the theater? What do they call uh, ushers? Yeah, man. I was a usher for a while in high school. So like I kind of did it all, man. So I actually I actually got into acting through a total accident. Oh, uh, tell me about that. Um, yeah, it was like, I started doing some, started, I said, <laughs> I stopped, when I stopped working with my dad, I'm like, okay, man, these, this job stuff ain't for me. I, I gotta figure something out. You know, being tall, I had long hair, and I'm, I'm pretty well built. They're like, hey, man, are you a wrestler? I'm like, don't be like, hey, are you a wrestler? Are you a wrestler? And Edge came out of Toronto, and Edge just, just, Edge and Christian just got out of Toronto. Um, they were just starting to make their debuts. I'm like, huh. 
all right, so I found myself a wrestling school, which was like, oh man, it was like far from my house, like almost two hour drive every day. Wow. Put myself to wrestling school, uh, and it was brutal, man. Starting off wrestling, it, they, they, they grind you out. Size be damned, you got, you got, you got your ass handed to you every day. And, uh, and then he says to me, the coach says, okay, next week we're doing vignettes. I'm like, what's a vignette? He's like, gotta get on camera, son. I'm like, oh no, and I'm like, I'm scared of being on camera, so. I, yeah, I go home, I look up a, a, an acting school. I start taking some acting class so I get comfortable with the camera. And then the acting coach goes, hey, there's this uh, commercial they're shooting downtown. So I'm like, maybe you look for a wrestler. No, so I went, to, I went to the audition, booked it. So I had no headshot, no agent. I booked my first gig. And then I did like, you know, two days on set. And I made like, I don't know, five grand or six grand or something. I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, this is for me, man. This is it. And then so I got, I got serious and I got an agent. I kind of, um, wrestling was still like the weekend stuff. Like, you know, you're the, uh, you travel out of the truck and you, you bang out in, in like high schools and stuff like that, small arenas. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the acting stuff was a little more serious. Uh, I booked a job with Tom Selleck, uh, called Sea Change, where I played his nemesis. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm like, I'm like acting for like, I don't know, three weeks. And yeah. I said I'm on set with Tom Selleck. I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to act with Tom Selleck, my mom's favorite actor. Like, wow. it, it was so surreal, man. I said, such, such a trip. And then the following week, I booked another show called Outlander, uh, which was Ron Perlman uh, from Sons of Anarchy. I played Vincent of Beauty and the Beast. Again, my mother's other favorite actor. My mom passed away when I was like 20. Um, so to work with her two favorite actors right out, right out of the gate, and I'm like, and I got these paychecks, and these paychecks going, oh, but this is it for me. And then a drought for like, I don't know how long. <laughs> like little little job here, a couple dollars here. So I starved for like ever uh, because I believed in this in this dream of mine. And how do you do? You trade in one dream for another dream. I haven't heard that before. So I hung on. I uh, took the road, let's travel. Actually, and then I got a call from the WWE. It's funny because Booker T came into the club I was working at. Mm-hmm. So I said, Book, I said, listen, man, I'm trying to get into the company. And, you know, they're coming to wrestling for us. like four years. And they're okay. He goes, tell you what, I got my school up and running in two years. And in two years, you can come through my school in Texas and we'll get you in. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, two years. I'm thinking to myself, kid lost. I'm six, six, two, seventy, long blonde here. No, no problem. And you couldn't get it. I sent them tapes, 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 tapes. They never replied, never replied. And, I, and I'm bugging these guys. Call them, leave a message, call them. I'm like, these guys are chasing me on? What's going on? Two years almost to the day, my phone rings. It's Booker. And I want you to come down to Houston, come to the trial, and uh, we'll get you signed up. So I went down, went to the trial, got signed up. And then once you started wrestling, it kind of wasn't what I expected. Uh, I got enough acting to know that I really liked acting. I'm like, yeah, I'll go do some wrestling. I'll push my acting career. Then the wrestling was much different. Uh, it's a live show, so it's instant adulation, instant uh, fan response, which is great. But I was the only Canadian guy down there, and the American guys didn't like me taking a job from the American guys. And him and Holland, it got a little, little, little tacky, so I got out of my contract, and took the road less traveled. And I started auditioning. I've been doing it for 12 years now. And finally, <laughs> finally, I'm seeing some daylight. And now I'm starting to get bigger jobs and I'm starting to put food on the table. And uh, I'm in LA and uh, it's been a long road, but well worth traveling. What was your first like major gig in LA? Because you say you know you mentioned you working with Tom Selleck, whatever. But was that actually your first gig, or you had something else before that? See, very fortunate for me being, being from Toronto is that Toronto can uh, duplicate many cities. It can look like New York, it can look like LA, it can look like Chicago. Um, so the dollar being, I think it's 70 cents, so 70 
American cents get you a Canadian dollar. Mm -hmm. So when the dollar's that, that much of a swing, a lot of productions go up there. So I got, I would be up there auditioning for American productions that came up for like Outlander stuff, but I did those in Toronto. Oh, um, okay. I, yeah, so all my, all my work I've got was from Toronto, uh, which is good for me because I built up, I have 31 credits, um, so I've, I've built up a nice international movie database, imdb.com. Um, I got a nice page there uh, that compiled with letters from people I've worked with, producers, directors. Um, I applied for my own one visa, so I'm down here on a work visa, uh, lining up my green cards, so I'm making the transition to live down here full-time. Uh, my first gig, oh man, I signed a non-disclosure, I can't talk about it, uh, but that's shooting at the end of January, and uh, it's a pretty big deal, and I'm very fortunate. One of my make, I have to cut my hair though, so but it's uh, that big of a deal. So that that's exciting. What? Um, my, so, yeah, and my but my first major job I just got I just finished doing um, uh, an AT&T national commercial. Now I'm not usually one to do commercials, but uh, it was an exciting piece. Um, it's like the Cassie is one of the Games of Thrones type characters, a Viking type character, have a sword and a shield, that's fighting another guy. Uh, so it was an exciting, it was an exciting time for me, and I, I, I always salivate and stuff like that. I'm very fortunate that the jobs that I do get to do are like bikers and wrestlers and aliens and cyborgs and yeah. things of that nature. So when they said, hey, we got a part for you here as, uh, as playing Viking, and we're all going to sign me up. So I was into that. Um, I did another part not too long ago called, on a show called Rain, which they flew me actually, which is great. People, all my friends back home say to me, when are you going back to Toronto? I'm like, well, they fly me back, so I'm down here in LA, and I'm down here to make it. So uh, there's a production in Toronto called Rain. It's very similar to Games of Thrones, the period piece. So I got to speak with an old English accent. I got to fight with some Swords of Shields, do my own stunts. Three pieces of dialogue with one of the leads, so I was uh, very, very fortunate to get that. So they flew me back. Um, I got to see my dad. I haven't seen my dad in years. I got to stay with him, and we got, we got caught up. Um, so that was very cool for me, and like, that was a check in my box. She told me years ago, I'd be living in LA, and they're going to fly me back to Toronto, do the show, I'd be like, get out of here. But it's just things, things happen. So I step back and like, man, did that just happen? But crazy moments, like I you were speaking about earlier on. Just, just, just follow your joy, and next thing you know, you're doing it, you know, and you're in. And, it's, and, and like I said, for you about your podcast, I think it's, uh, it's something you should pursue, you know, and uh, just follow your joy, man. And that's what I've been doing, and it's just been working out really well for me. Wow, that sounds amazing, man. I'm just, I'm just kind of still. Um, thinking about you said you just took off all your hair, so you don't look the same way that you do now. No, 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 no. I still have my hair. Oh, you still have it? Oh. This, this, no, this thing I'm shooting is, is supposed to take, uh, start filming at the end of January, but they're going to need me to cut my hair for this uh, for this part, uh, for this character. And, uh, you know, it's it's that big of a deal that I think I'm going to part with the locks for a little bit. Uh, they've been they've been good to me. I've done a lot of work. Actually, all my work for that thing are long since I was like uh, 20, 22. Uh, but hey, maybe it's time for a change. You know, maybe you know I can start. I can start playing more roles like cops, detectives, things of that nature. Because there's a lot of roles that I cannot play because I look like a wrestler, like a cyborg type character. So yeah. I get pigeonholed a lot. I lose a lot of work. Um, so, you, so far, so good. I'm happy, man. You know, I'm really, I'm, I'm totally happy. Also, also with the long hair, it kind of like hinders you. You get kind of typecast in a role. Like you'll be like the the grunt, like the bouncer, or like that that type of guy they use you for. Yeah, I mean, if you well, if you walk through life, who's the guy you see with long hair past your shoulders? Yeah, you yeah. know, not too many do their own wear longer past your shoulders. They're Jack, like two seventy six six. So you might get the football player, uh, pro wrestler, biker, uh, you know, the guy in the jail cell, the bad guy, the heavy. So which isn't bad, but that that's limiting and that that has a ceiling to 
stronger. I think with shorter hair, play a lot more uh, diverse characters. So and they can always put hair on you. Know what I mean, it's tougher to take my hair off. It's easier to put it back on. So they want to cut my hair, maybe I'll get it made into like a, a weave or a braid or a wig. So I put my own hair back on whenever I need it. I was like, oh, that's just funny. Oh man, getting get into your role, I want to talk about The Mad Saint, where you played the Reaper. How did you get the role? Was it was it a stretch to play a wrestler? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny enough, um, let me see how to get that role. Uh, I learned the two-handed sword. I knew the stunt coordinator, uh, and he said yeah, there's a wrestling movie coming to town. What I'm interested in teaching uh, with the leads how to wrestle. I'm like, yeah, for sure. So I met Brett, and I started training with Brett, and started training him, and then... Uh, I'm hearing that there's two wrestling characters I'm looking for, for the Iceman or for the Reaper. Uh, so, okay, so I read for both of them. Uh, they ended up taking me on as the Reaper because me and Brad were doing a lot of ring work together. And, and, it, and it's true, I mean, if you know, if you're not comfortable in the ring with who you're working with, you know, one inch this way, one inch that way, you know, just low key pop a rib, you rip, tear something, and uh, so he felt very comfortable with me, so you know, they cast me as the Reaper. Uh, playing a wrestler, yeah, you know what, I, I technically I'm a trained wrestler, but I've never debuted on TV, I never did the WWE, I got on my contract before that happened, yeah. so uh, to come off looking like a wrestler, pretty good, I'm like, hey man, I look like a wrestler, <laughs> so uh, it's good, yeah, it was, it was good, I got to play a big scary guy, which is, you know, it's, it's good, because as I go through life with this this size, and you know, I gotta, I gotta approach things a certain way, I can't be overly aggressive, I can't be slightly aggressive, I gotta be super happy all the time, I gotta, because People get offended, people take a step back on how big I am already, they're already in their back on their heels. So I can have no aggression in my daily life at all. I gotta be peaches and cream, sunshine and butterflies all the time, which is great because that's my personality anyway. So I get a chance to play something like the Reaper, it's a bit of a stretch. So like, like I get on set, they're just like, okay, act you know, me, act, act big and mean. I'm like, Ooh. I do my whole life not to be big and mean because I don't want to scare people away. So I, my entire life I've been humble. Nice, and like I say, peaches and cream everywhere I go. So when they're like, hey, now, dig in and they get crazy. I'm like, cool, you know what? You probably have more experience being mad and crazy than I am, so I'm not allowed to get mad and crazy because they can go to jail. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just, uh, it's funny. So it is a bit of a stretch. These guys are like, wow, you played that big character. I'm like, you know, it really is a stretch for me to play a big, aggressive guy because that's so not what I am. Um, so you, 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 I guess that's what they call acting. So you, you light it up and you, you, you roll the dice and hopefully it lands how you want. Brett also said that you was a great teacher and he said, you know, you was very eccentric. How was it like training Brett in the whole wrestling and how he had to learn in a few days, basically, from what you learned in a, in a, in a couple of months, right? Yeah, Brett is a, Brett is a very gifted individual. He's, uh, he's athletic, he's smart, and they're like, well, he said to me, okay, I'm not interested. We said on the first day, like, how long are you going to need this guy you know, to get ready? I'm like, a year. They're like, you got three weeks. I'm like, oh, dude. <laughs> okay, man. Because uh, I know what it takes. Man, I've been, I've been to the school. Like, I did the NDC for four years. I did the WWE train with them for, like, six months. So I know what it takes to, to get the polish and the shine on. So uh, when I first day I got to Brent the Ring, I'm like, okay, man, i got to teach you something in 15 minutes. It takes guys six months to learn. He's like, fall? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> the first couple of falls I see him, he's kind of winding himself, and it's hard, man. It's hard to, it's self-preservation. You don't want to injure yourself. So it's very difficult to throw yourself on the ground. But if you throw yourself on the ground, you're slightly holding back, and the ground's going to hit you. You want to hit the ground. So I'm trying to show him how you hit the ground, and you hit the ground. And a couple times I see him getting winded because of the diaphragm. I'm like, oh, that's right. Sorry. 
breathe out when you go down. When you're hitting the impact, make sure you're breathing out so you're controlling your diaphragm on the out. It'll get stunned with the aerosols. There's a couple moments. Once, once you start falling, now we can start putting stuff together. And I just had a bag of tricks, and I said, okay, let's do this. I started hitting him with a bunch of moves. Can you do this? Let me see run the ropes. And, and then all the stuff that he could do, which is pretty much everything, it gave me a chance to start putting the matches together. And I got the script, and, and I got to sit down. And, okay, Brett's good at these. Brett's good at this. Brett's good at that. Can they tie this match like this? This makes sense here. I tried not to use the same moves twice. I tried to tell the, tried to tell the story with the match. Like, uh, in one move, I, I, I threw her off the top rope in her first match. And then the last match, I couldn't get off the top rope, but he counters me. So nothing is nothing is, is the same. I actually invented uh, a move there. Um, I call it the pirate ship. It's like a reverse power bomb. I take him out of a back strike. I crack him on my back, got him in a stretch, like stretching him out. He puts his legs on my head for the, to, uh, to like a, a triangle choke, like, like a head scissors. I stand up, swing him out. His face goes up. Sit down, power bomb. Roddy Piper says to me, kid, I've been in business 35 years. I've never seen that move before. I said, oh, dude. I said, thank you, Mr. Piper. I go, actually, I thought of it myself, and it just kind of worked out. He's like, that was, that was something that was special. Thank you. I was like, well, thank you. And another thing I kind of came up with, I got, I get, I get right in a suplex, and I'm like, okay, it's a turnaround spot. So you got to turn around to so start giving me a knee. So I got up in a suplex, just dropping his knee on my head, boom, 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 yeah. which caused the, the reaper to stutter. Then he catch me in a small package. Um, and there's another one, I, another thing, I, there's three moves I put in this, this thing that I've never seen before. Um, and the third one's escaping me right now during the interview, thank you. But anyway, it's, it's a great movie. And, and, uh, I'm very fortunate to work with someone as talented as Brett Brandstaff. And, uh, he's, got, he's got a great career ahead of him. Also, so this is an exclusive, so there's actually moves in this movie that has not been done on, on television that no one has seen yet. That's true. That is correct. Wow. All right. I'm definitely, yeah. definitely going to look forward <laughs> now, to that. Now we, now we got to see it. Not bad for a faith-based film. I know the wrestling was wrong. Like I said, I was, I was trained. I went to the school of the WWE, so I know... You know, they teach you how to how to tell how to tell a story without using words. Good guys use certain moves, bad guys use certain moves. So you get blue with the bad guys, you cheer the good guys. So you get the A's and the Nays. The farther apart the A's and the Nays are, the better story you're telling. Um, so like if you go to a wrestling match, you're quiet, that's terrible. They don't have the they don't have the, the they don't have the control of the crowd yet. So they, they teach you this man and uh, and they know what to do with the company for a long time. Uh, there's a pattern, there's a method to all that, so um, How was it like working also with Roddy Piper? You know, he, um, he passed away last year. How did you guys get along? Piper's great. Uh, I worked with him before on another show called Body Slam. It was a, it was a short. Also with involved uh, Bret Hart. Uh, we had a great time. That was shot up in Toronto. Um, and then it was a couple, maybe, uh, it was maybe a couple months, maybe three, four months later, I see him on set of the, um, of the Mass Saint. And, you know, and Roddy can't do enough. Like, he, he, he signed everybody's autograph. He told stories. He... He wasn't going to hide in his trailer. If it was in between his takes, he's still there. And yeah, we're, we're working up in Canada in the middle of winter. It's just St. Marie. It was like, oh, so cold. He could have went and warmed up in his trailer, but he didn't. There was fans that wanted to take pictures. And, and he was there, man. And, and, and he was a great guy, man. Really, really soft-spoken, very thankful. Um, and I thanked him very much for, for, for his contribution to the industry because of guys like Roddy Piper. I love guys like me to make a living for ourselves. And that was, uh, I was very grateful and thankful to him. Awesome. The Mass Saint is also a Christian movie. Are you are you religious yourself? And do you think this movie, you know, it's it's not gonna be like 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 mainstream, like let's say like a, one of those Warner Brother movies like that. But um, how you think the movie is gonna do, in your opinion? Yeah, you know what? 
Uh, when I first got the job, yeah, I am I am a spiritual person, yes, of course, I believe in the higher power, and uh, yeah, I say my prayers and my vitamins, definitely. Um, when I first got the script, I learned it, and I'm like, this is a faith-based movie, I'm thinking, because I saw a faith-based movie once when I was training in Atlanta for the WWE, but the Deep South, and I was kind of watching TV, and it was like, it was like, it was like I, ride to rent, I rented this movie, it was a football movie, watched the football movie, yada, 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 and then like, I don't know, three quarterbacks of the movie, Jesus appeared on the 50-yard line, I'm like, so for me, basically, have always been a little, you know, like okay, hokey, that, yeah. that was my experience. That was my experience with it. So yeah. anyway, nothing against it, man. People have different strokes, different folks. You yeah. uh, get your find your joy where you can. Um, so I remember the faith based where I went back to my original thought of well, I saw the Jesus on the fifty yard line thing. Let me let me read the script. So I read the script. <laughs> okay, yeah, you know what? Hey, man, it's a it's a wrestling movie. I can contribute here. I can I can do a part. I can help. Yeah. So I agreed to do the film. Um, and then I watched the final product. It can, it can go either way. You can watch this as a Christian and be like, yes, I feel the power, I feel the joy. And it, the movie will move you in, in many different moments. In many moments when I watch this movie for the first time and edit together, because you do your part, you go away. You come back, I was watching the screen and I was like, wow, man, I got emotional a few times in that movie. I, I was touched. I was like, this is a clean movie. No one's dying, no one's getting killed. I'm like, man, I, there's hope for humanity yet. I mean, this was a, that was a super proud part of this movie. And they do, the way they do the edits, like, they'll say, okay, well, hey, Ray, let's pray. And you know, they kind of make the edit there, so instead of watching people praying, they edit, they go on to the next storyline. So that, that, the, the edits were clean enough that if you're not a Christian, a hardcore Christian, you can still enjoy this, this as a wrestling movie, as a great movie with a great bunch of messages in it. If you're a Christian, you're a hardcore believer uh, and, and into this type of movie, yeah, you can see it that way, too. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cover the genre. I was really impressed. Watching the final screening, like I said, I'm very proud to be part of this film. Working on a faith-based movie, as opposed to other movies you worked on, did you notice like a difference with the with the people and the crew? Did you notice any difference? No, you know what? Because the, the crew is the crew, man. I mean, they, they, I mean, you get the gaffers, you get the boom guys, you get the camera guys, you get the, the directors. They all come from. They all come to work. They're all there to work. Yeah, we knew it was a faith-based film, and Roddy Piper comes in and. You know, it didn't feel like overly, you had to be super, super sad to watch your P's and T's. There's lots of joking going on. It was a very comfortable set. Uh, everyone's very friendly, very nice. Couldn't do enough for you. Um, but that's, that's how I feel some sets are anyway, because people that are in the movie industry, they're not usually there by accident. They usually are following your dream. So they, they're, they're living their dream. So I usually find movie sets that are full of happier people in general, because it's not like, you know, hey, I'm working with my dad. Uh, you know, it's like, you went to school, you want to be an actor, you want to be the camera guy. So these people are genuinely happier people, I think, anyway. So when I go to the movie set, that's why I love movie sets so much, because uh, it's almost like a euphoria. Everyone just kind of is it's just, it's just in a great uplifting mood. You're creating stuff, and you're around a bunch of creative people. So yeah, um, did I notice much of a difference between a Christian set and, and that set? No, I think everybody's overly happily anyway, man. So I think it was pretty much cut to the same cloth. Yeah. How long was your was your days of filming? And they shot that whole film in 15 days, which I still can't believe we wow. did that. Um, we, had, we had three days of uh, impact. It was just bang, bang, bang. And I, and I remember I put the matches together. And they're really intricate, man. The matches really flow and tied into each other. They're big matches. I've introduced the whole ring. Got some top of stuff going. They painted a great picture uh, from the wrestling perspective. And then me and Brett did the first that bang, 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 bang. within the past, but like it's spent like, spent like eight minute match. Non-stop. And bang, then the crowd claps, yay, and they hear the director. Back to one. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> no. We 
going to do this match all day. We did this match all day. And me and Brad, by the other day, I'm just looking at him. He's looking at me. And then the stunt coordinator, Bryson, he goes, like, well, I want you one more time, guys. I look at Brad, he looks at me, I'm like, and then you're, because, you know, you do a take, and it's cold, and then they cut, and you sit down for a while. And then they come inside the ring, and they cut half the match. They cut this way, this way. So you're getting hot, getting cold, getting hot, getting cold. So you're really stiffening up. And I'm like, oh, man, I, I go, Eric, I won't have it on me. This guy's give me one more. So we get on the ring, we're staying off the corners, and then Eric starts clapping. And he starts hitting the crowd, all the extras start going back. And you also hear the adrenaline going, go, right. Oh, the main director did another last one. I don't miss it. Did that match 30 times, dude. I mean, it's tough to do one wrestling match. You do 30 matches. Man, by the end of that, we stood up and it was great. We got back to the change room. It was just like, that's it. The body just shut down. And they're like, oh, yeah, uh, 6 a.m. call time tomorrow. Oh, man. <laughs> I crawled back to my hotel room. I iced, I iced my body. I took the uh, Tylenol. Well, I got a couple hours sleep. I went back at it the next day. And then we had another uh, another two matches that day. I had a, had a two-on-one match. I had to do with Brett and... Uh, and then his partner, and then I had a final match, a cage match with Brett. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a grinder, man. It really was. It was a real meat grinder. I thought to myself, next time I write a wrestling match for a movie, <laughs> easy breezy, punch, kick, punch, kick, you know, punch, <laughs> kick, match. <laughs> you get flying around stuff. Oh, man. So, but I, it's, it's great eye candy. And the way these guys shot it, the cinematography, the slow motion, the angles they're getting are different than the WWE angles. Now, if you're watching WWE, when they're on TV, Every time they make an impact, the camera changes. So your eye doesn't see the impact. Every time a guy makes a punch or a kick or a body slam, the camera will change. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. Mm-hmm. But in this one, the camera doesn't change a lot. So you actually get to see, see the arm drag, see the body slam, see the knee drop. Ooh, they slow it down. They got this music in the background, like a thundering. It's like, whoa, man. You're watching this going, man, this is impressive. It is really impressive. I got to tell you, the wrestling fan, I watch the character, the Reaper, and I'm like, this guy, because he steps over the top rope, I've never seen this guy before. He's jacked, he's ripped, long black hair, whited out face. I'm like, this guy looks crazy, man. This guy, like, I mean, this guy, like, I, I want to see this guy more. And uh, I know it's me, but I'm a wrestling fan. I'm a kid still at heart. I'm looking at the stream going, this, this character is nuts. This guy looks nuts. And then, you know, they even the state have their whole thing, and, and it's a really good story. I got to tell you, man, I mean, he gets away from the wrestling eagles, he, he's pastoring it. You think, oh no, here comes the here comes the stuff. No, man, it's it's a good story. He's got a family, he's got a wife, he's got a daughter, and they go to Chinatown and it's, it's really good people then and I watched that when I left there, I was like, I'm a part of that movie, man. Oh, I'm so so blessed, so lucky to be a part of that, really am. Oh, it's also based on a true story as well, from what I heard, right? Yeah, uh, Pastor Chris Whale, I think it's over, maybe they got a twenty year span, they kinda condensed it, uh, to make the time frame a little more um, movie friendly. But yeah, I mean, he, he stopped the robbery. Um, he, he stopped someone getting beat up in the street. So this kind of stuff did happen. And it's, it's, and I met him. What a, what a well soft spoken man, a gracious man. Uh, Chris Whaley, man, thank you for the book. We got to have a big, a tremendous look at it. Oh, how was it like, like when you was playing the character of the Reaper, did you say, damn, man, this is a good character I could have used if I, if I pursued wrestling? That did you, did you ever think about that? Yeah, you know what? Um, yeah, right. But it's hard to tell because I can't see myself. But I put the paint on and the hair and then the gimmick and you're in the ring, you're working, you know, just like you're wrestling. You're looking outside of yourself. You can't, I don't see myself. But I'm watching the playback, I was like, oh, man, that guy's pretty impressive because, uh, you know, in wrestling, you got to come up with your own character. Yeah. My character's name was, was Big Deal. Because you may be Stone Cold Steve Austin, but you know that crap is Big Deal. So... <laughs> It was really cool. I had a good character. I was over, but I just, you know, for me, going 
know. Um, but acting is not like that. For me, acting, I, I go to set at 4 a.m. and I'm happy. I'm happy. Got a smile on. It's. It's. And I'm so. I'm so blessed to have found it, man. I really am. Because I was like 30. Going, what am I going to do in my life? And what am I going to be when I grow up? I'm like 30 years old. Going, yeah, what am I going to do with myself? <laughs> um, then, I, like, I was being a doorman. Um, and then, you know, just, uh, a couple of nice uh, altercations happened. So I had to kind of sit out for a little bit. Um, the, the girlfriend, the ex-girlfriend, at the time says to me, "Why don't you get into acting?" And that's when I was doing those, those, those commercials and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, man. I started pursuing that. And, uh, man, it's just amazing how loud things will look back and at the path that it took to get to me sitting here in L.A. doing an interview with you as an actor. <laughs> man, you know, and a lot of tragedy along the way. I mean, you, I lost my way a few times. Luckily, I got a good uh, uh, support system, good family, good friends. Uh, you know, we all, hit, we all hit bottom in one way or another. And you got people there to help you back up. And people who care about you, love you, believe you, and uh, man, I'm very fortunate, man. I just, I, I, I can't believe it's like I'm sitting in an interview with you. I'm totally blessed. Nah, you know what I'm saying? Because they always say, like, you know, you have to have bad things to happen so you, you know, for you to appreciate the good things, so, you know, and it's what you learned from it, so you learned something out of it, so you became the person you are today. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, you're rock bottom, you gotta bounce off the bottom, come to the top, and just learn that everything's a chapter, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, we're all reach you your own individual book, and, you know, you just turn the page, and it's the next chapter, right? So, uh, every, day is, every day is a new chance for a fresh start, man, and, uh, yeah, it's, like I said, I'm just, I'm just really fortunate. I got a great wife. Uh, my dad's always had my back. I lost my mom early. Unfortunately, I wish she could have seen me grow into the man that I became. But I know she's looking down at me. You know, we say all that good stuff, and she's looking down on me. She's looking over my shoulder. And that. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm just I'm, I'm a happy man. I wake up every morning, and I'm just I'm excited, man. I really am. How did you meet your wife? Is she like your height, or is she short? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my wife. Good question. How did you meet So. I'm bouncing in Toronto. Um, I'm working the door. Uh, so she's up there to see her, visit one of her friends. So her and her sisters came up. I you know I, I work Toronto with the scene, so I, I kind of know everybody. I've been in the scene for like, you know, five, ten years already. I know everybody. So I'm looking at my lineup and I see these, I don't know those girls. Who are those girls? So I kind of, you know, walk down the line and go, hey, ladies. Looking at my wife and I said, would you guys like to come to the club tonight? You guys want to jump the line. <laughs> so she's I'm looking at her, but she's looking at her, she doesn't say anything. So her friend, standing beside her, kind of elbows her and says, say yes, say yes. <laughs> so my wife looks at her friend, looks back at me, and she says, yes. I'm like, oh, she doesn't even speak English. Anyway, so I got her in the club, um, and, then, and then what happened, and then they came back the next night, and then, you know, uh, this was like, uh, this was maybe 10 years ago. So then she went, she kind of went back, uh, back to Mexico, started learning English, taking English classes. And then luckily because of technology, we have Skype and stuff like that, so I was able to communicate with her on a weekly basis. Uh, their English got better. Uh, moved up here, uh, went down there, got married about five, three years ago, it's had my three-year anniversary, so it's been a, a tale over about 10 years with me and my wife. Um, we're in two different countries, uh, but thank God for technology has kept us a lot closer. And uh, yeah, I'm so blessed, man. She's just a breath of fresh air, you know, and it's always positive. You never hear nothing that you get about a version of this is great, man. I'm lucky to have her for sure. Oh, that's Actually, amazing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here without her because she moved to Toronto with me and uh, we're living in Toronto. She's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to be an actor. Mm -hmm. Don't you need to go to L.A. for that? I'm like, yeah, let's go. I'm like, well, I, well, I, well, I, well, I, let's go. She's dragging me to L.A. And next thing you know, I'm just like, I got a manager. I'm lining up some agents. It's just like, man, I, I wouldn't be here. At the time, we'll come to L.A. maybe 10 years now, but... Luckily, I got enough credits and enough uh, clout 
uh, the, the, the U.S. government sees me as a professional actor and gave me the work visa to come down here and down. I'm doing it full time, like I said, I'm doing it here right now. And the life is good, man. All, all pizza and cream, smiles all the time. Uh, that's amazing. I know you say you can't talk about what project you have in January, but can you give me a hint? Is it science fiction related? Anything related? Can you give me like uh, the genre? What is you going to do? Uh, can I? Let me think. Okay, if I if I give you a clue, you can't you can't start naming things after I just just take the clue I give you and, and move on to the next question. Sure. Cool. cool that's very cool. Video game. It's a, it's a video game. Oh, whew, oh, okay. No problem. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Trust me, I want you to keep your job, so I'm not going to go any further. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. What other hobbies do you do besides acting, like, you know, to unwind yourself from, like, you know, especially the grueling, you know, hours that you put into acting? Like, what do you do, like, basically for hobbies? Uh, well, you know, um, well, hobby was used to be the gym for me, but then I realized that's part of my job now because, you know, uh, I have a certain look that I like to keep uh, that gets me a certain work. What do I do? That's a good question, man. I mean, I mean, I even believe I told you, man, I, I, I pretty much live in the kitchen. I'm, I'm either cooking a meal or I'm doing a dish. I, I eat seven meals a day. Uh, I train two hours a day. So my time is, is, is the gym and just being ready for the next day, ready for the next role, like, if I get matched up with, like, Dwayne, I'm oh, sorry, if I get matched up with The Rock in the next movie, like, he knows when his next big show is, so he knows how to get ready. Yeah. I gotta be ready all the time. I can get a call tomorrow and I gotta read with Dwayne, or I gotta be staying beside somebody, so I gotta be, I gotta be ready all the time. So that's seven meals a day, that's two hours in the gym, that's an hour cardio, it's, it's crazy, man. So that's all I do, but that's great because, for me, I'm living my dream, I'm staying ready. If I was back in Toronto, yeah, I wouldn't be training so hard. Take it easy. Let me watch some TV. You know, eat some bad food. Enjoy. You know, some snacks. I don't do that here. Here, it's like it's I'm like a laser here, man. You're just I'm just so in tune with everything. And uh, hobby, I guess hobby is just staying ready. I'm just excited for for, for the next break. You know, it's just nice to see what's happening. So I'm the new guy on the block here. Um, so people are starting to discover me. This movie's going to help. And you know, I could be getting. I could be on Games of Thrones. I could be in Vikings. I could be on the doing a prequel to. Uh, Sons of Anarchy, they're doing The Bastard Executioner, yeah. uh, I think they're making, remaking Highlander uh, this year, uh, they're doing Thor, Ragnarok at the end of the year, like there's like, and that's just what I've heard of, like there's, there's, there's so many things coming down the line that I could be a part of, um, so I'm just, I'm just ready every day, I wake up excited, I go to the gym, I train my ass off, I eat on time, I clean, I'm healthy, I look great, I'm just ready, man, I'm just like a kid in the case, so it's like, it's like you know, right now I'm in the music park, I'm just like, hey, what ride next, you know, it's like, What is your most marked characteristic about yourself? Like, besides your height, what is your mo most marked characteristic? My most which characteristic? What's your most marked characteristic? Like, you, you know, are you very out? Yeah, are you outgoing? Like, you know, you're, are, are you like the comedian? Like, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, hmm. The most marked characteristic, yeah, I think, I don't know, man, I just like, I like, I just like having a good time. I keep it the peace, you know, I don't like,
this is, this is what's happened to me lately. I kind of discovered that, you know, there's a lot that goes on around us that we really don't control. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't make the trees grow. You don't make the wind blow. Mm-hmm. You don't make the water, the waves happen. You don't make the sun rise and fall. You don't even make your own heartbeat. You don't make your own hair grow, your own nails grow. You don't digest your own food. There's all subconsciously have. There's a bunch of stuff that's happening around us in this environment that we have no control over. So once you kind of realize that you're part of the environment and take your, your intellectual brain out of things and realize you're on the tree and just enjoy the ride, then things really start happening, man. I, I know the universe knows I want to become an actor. That's what I enjoy doing. And so I kind of let go. Like there's a term, let go and let God. Once I let go and stop trying to control all the, all the, all the finite intricacies around me and I let go and just, Man, things that really start happening, and I just kind of enjoy the ride now, as opposed to trying to get this. I don't get this audition. Oh man, I didn't get that audition. I didn't get that perfect spot. Look, I got a perfect. I got a perfect story for you. This is how. This is what made the penny drop for me. Okay. Good buddy, my Ron. A good buddy, my Ron Perlman. I kind of lost contact with them because I'm in Toronto. He's in LA. Uh, you know, life gets in the way. So I moved down here. I'm trying to hook up with Ron. I'm trying to find them, but I can't find them anywhere. So I ended up finding out, I'm living in Venice Beach, training at Venice Beach Bulls. I ended up finding out he trained in Hollywood, in Hollywood Bowl, between like 9 and 10 o'clock or something. So I'm like, all right, good. So I'm going to make my way down there and, and say, what's up to my guy? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I didn't have a car at the time. I just got here, so I'm taking, I'm going to take like three buses. So I take three buses, and then I pull on, I, I pull on the bus stop. It goes, uh, it goes a stop pass where I had to get off. I'm like, oh, man. So, so I got off at the stop. I, I start looking on my phone. I got the, the map quest as I'm following my way and following my, It's taking me so long to get there. So I look at my phone. Oh, my phone's upside down. So I'm walking away from where I got to go. And so I hustle. I turn back. So I, I, start, I start getting closer and closer. This red light comes up. So I'm staying at the red light. I'm about to get super aggressive. I'm like, the universe is conspiring to help you. It knows what you want. Okay, just relax. Get yourself calm. You don't want to be there and be all aggressive. Okay, so I can a deep breath. I just made my way to the gym. I got to the gym, I opened the door, Ron Perlman's walking right towards me. He's like, James, what's up? I'm like, Ron, how's it going, buddy? Hey, he goes, we do some cardio? I'm like, yeah, bud. You go upstairs, we start doing cardio together. Now, had I been there 10 minutes earlier, he would have been with his personal trainer. I'd be like, hey, Ron, better meet from Toronto? I don't want to bug him and pester him, the guy. Had I been two seconds later, he would have been upstairs doing cardio, I would have walked right into the weight room and not even seen him. So that moment I said, man, I just got to let go and stop trying so hard. And the more I let go and stop trying so hard, the more things are just happening for me. I start booking these shows. I'm getting flown back to Canada. I got this national commercial. I got this uh, non-disclosure group for a video game I got. I'm like, oh, all of a sudden, if I stop trying so hard and just enjoy the moment, enjoy the day, and realize that I'm just like the breeze blowing, my blood's pumping through my body, which I don't control. So what makes me think I can control anything else, really? Really can't. You think you can't. Because we have the intellect, like, hey, man, I can control that. You really can't. You only make your own, you only make your own heartbeat. It does it itself. So once I kind of learn to let go, oh, my God, my life has just completely changed. I've been able to stay calm. I, I used to stress about not getting this audition. I don't get this audition. My life's over. I wouldn't get it. I've been stressed for days and weeks, attracting more negativity to myself and getting worse and worse positions and digging myself in a deeper, darker hole as opposed to just letting go and go, I didn't get that one for whatever reason. I can't see now. Ask yourself, I'm sure you going through life. And something happens to you, some tragedy or whatever, whatever. And in two or three months, you go like, oh, man, that's why that happened. So whenever something is happening to me that seems negative, I say, I can't see a reason why now. But in two months, it's going to be known to me why I have to go through this for whatever reason. And it always, it always reveals itself. I'm like, I just come to a thing. Like, I'm 43, but I definitely wasn't like this in my 20s. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, just I'm just in a happier place, man, and, and it's more fun to be around. You know, it's, I got a, I got a great life, and so since I kind of I guess changed my frequency, the people that I'm meeting now are of the same frequency. And I, I really meet a lot of cool people down here, uh, a lot of givers, a lot of helpers, a lot of believers. Great, man. That's my story, anyway. Well, it seems like you, you know, like. You very have a positive outlook, and you know I, I I hear it coming out. You know, talking to you now, like you, you're very positive. You're a very positive individual. So you have like a lot of positivity in your life. So that's very good. Yeah, it wasn't always that way. I mean, it, it's either, it's either positive or negative, and I've yeah, had enough negative to know that that's not what I want to be doing. So I mean, everybody everybody loves to live a positive life. Just has to figure out. I guess the best thing I can say is just kind of let go and, and don't don't stress the little reason why you you got caught at that red light. Well, maybe you got caught at that red light because if you got through this red light, you got the green. Maybe you get hit by a truck up there. So it was looks at things and say, "Hey, man, that's happened for a reason," and then you, and you believe it's a good reason, and then things just start happening, working for me that that, that aspect. Yeah. So far in your life, what has been your most memorable moment? Oh, dude! <laughs> My goodness, let me see. Um, memorable moment. I mean, I mean, there's so many different factors. There's the uh, there's, the, there's the marriage, of course, and yes. then there's professional moments, like probably when. I, I work with Tom I've been acting for three weeks and then they fly me to uh, they fly me to a different city they fly me from Toronto to Newfoundland in Canada and I'm on set and Tom Selleck and they're sitting in the car so the, the first scene is this he pulls me over I'm the, I'm the hired gun to come and kill the, his character Jesse Stone so uh, they pull me over I'm sitting in the car and he's supposed to come knock on my window he says license and registration yeah I see him, he pulls his car over, the camera's on me, I'm thinking to myself, holy man, you're going to act P.I., bro. I've been watching this guy since I was like, I'm about to freak out. And I said, okay, okay, pull it together, man. You can either freak out and drop the ball here, or pull it together, get through the scene, and enjoy playing at the hotel. With that, license and registration, please. So I had, was there a problem, officer? Then we get into the scene. Oh, man, it was beautiful. I was like, this is acting, but the thing about my acting, if you look at, that's actually my demo reel on my IMDb page. Go to IMDb.com and type in James Preston Rogers. You'll see my, my demo reel there, and it, this this is actually all my demo reel. And it's like, I didn't know enough to be bad. Everything, like, man, that was great. Like, thanks. <laughs> I didn't know enough to be bad. I think that's why kids are such great actors, because they're just in the moment, they're just free, right? They don't know to... They put your chin a little higher. That's a better angle. If you put your eyebrow down, look to the look away. Yeah, don't look. Like they don't know about all the, the, the like I said, the fine intricacies of the acting. They're just natural and real on stage, which makes them look great. That's why so many good, great kid actors. But when you turn 23, 24, 25, you start thinking more. Like, am I doing this right? What do my coach say? Oh yeah, stay still at the hips, pivot your feet. Yeah, and you're starting. You're starting to think, and now you look robotic. So it's like acting classes can break some people. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's, it's you got to find what works best for you and make sure you're comfortable in front of the camera because the camera, just like the microphone, is going to pick up if you're if, if you're not confident, it's going to see it because uh, we all know what good acting looks like because you've never seen bad acting before, have you? Because everyone on TV is a good actor. Mm-hmm. My first acting class, the first acting class I get in, my coach Earl says to me, "Okay, everybody, give us all a number. What's the number of ten? Mm-hmm. Okay, guys." Stand outside, here's your lines, memorize your lines. So you go outside, get like four lines or something. So memorize them. And Ten minutes later, he goes, okay, number one. So you, you, you bring number one in, puts on the camera, records it, and everybody goes in and does their scene. Great. They come back, everybody come in, class going to watch the audition. So we sit down, number one, first guy's up. He's brutal. Brutal. Because <laughs> I haven't never seen bad acting before on TV, because I went TV, and had years under their belt. Terrible. Terrible, terrible. And then she's like, okay, number two. And this is pretty 
get the person to get some good shit. Even worse than he is. You're like, oh my God. You're like, wait, wait a second. I'm number three. Oh my God. So number three comes on. Oh, I'm just as bad as that. Oh no. And for shame. For shame. Shut it off. Shut it off. So he finally gets to the flash. He turns to us and says, okay, guys. You guys realize you know nothing about acting. Are you ready to learn? And we're like, yes, please. Please teach us. Please, please. So that was a great lesson for me because you didn't think you know how to act until they give you some lines in their eyes and put a camera on you. are like, oh, man. So um, that was memorable for me. So like I said, um, I, I got very fortunate with that comic selling gig. And I, just, I knew just enough to not look bad, I think. So, um, yeah, that was, that was probably my memorable moment. I think being acting with Tom Selleck, like a three-week time on acting class. Uh, is there any like particular actor besides working with Tom Selleck now that you a dream actor you would want to work with? Well, I think you said The Rock, but is there any anybody? Yeah, I, yeah. I think I, I think I like to work with the way because uh, we're both of the same stature. We're both like six five, six six. We're both like two fifty, two sixty. So it wouldn't be a stretch. Like sometimes I saw him do a, do a movie with Walt, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg's great. I know him very well as well. But they're 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 in different different frames. You know what I mean? So I think me and The Rock would complement each other. Uh, he's black, I'm white, he's bald, he got long hair, he's brown eyes and blue eyes. I'm a both muscular. I think we cover a uh, nice diversity. Something like, like, uh, chips. There's a, there's a, there's an old show back in the day, chips. Yeah. Uh, two cops on a motorcycle. Like, something like that would be cool. Or, or Miami Vice, something like that. We could be, we could do, and do something together would be, would be really fun. Plus, we can do our own stunts. I'm both going to pro wrestle. I mean, that I think we accomplished something very well. We could probably get some meat. And, and, plus, he's super fearless. I do a movie with Dwayne and Unstead for Life. You know, he's, uh, of course, um, but yeah, I, I admire him in a lot of ways. He came up through the ranks, but he's uh, he's really done well for himself, and uh, and uh, and I'm really proud of him. And I actually met him a couple times, so hopefully, um, if if all lines up, we may get a, get an episode on Ballers with him. Uh, he's doing a lot of great things. He'll be busy for a long time to come. And like I said, he'll need another um, another big guy at some point. And luckily enough, my uh, hopefully my chops are there, and hopefully I get a shot with him. That that that'd be that'd be great for me. That'd be really cool. A couple of more questions before I let you go. What do you think about, I don't, I don't know if you watch the WWE now or any wrestling promotions now, but what do you think about the women in the WWE, you know, the exposure of more women wrestling instead of, like, you know, the TNA like they had back in the day? What do you think about women wrestling in general, the NXT and all that? Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, power to them, man. I mean, they're, they're just a talented to do. I mean, we're used to watch men wrestle all the time. The women have their own way of doing things, of course. Uh, like women basketball was slightly different than men basketball. Women wrestlers were slightly different than men wrestlers. But yeah, man, get in there. Listen, it's not easy. I challenge anybody to go to a wrestling camp for a day. Uh, if you if you stick it out and you go hard enough and long enough in a camp, that's what you want to do, then no one should be able to tell you no. If you're willing to go through that, believe me, I've gone through that. If anyone's willing to go through that, they, get a, they deserve a shot, for sure. What do you think of the sport today? Do you miss it? Well, like, what's what's your what's your opinion on it today? Uh, wrestling? Yes. Wrestling's great, man. It's gonna be there. Uh, it's been there. It'll be there. And it's gonna be there. Uh, that's what's great about it. Uh, it has its longevity. Uh, I was pri- I enjoyed my stint. And I got my little bit of there. I'm a trained wrestler. I can still go wrestle anywhere. I can go wrestle in Japan. The super wrestling is a technique. It's like laying bricks. If you can lay bricks in Italy, you can lay bricks in Portugal. You can lay bricks in America. It's a, it's a craft. And I'm very fortunate that I have this craft under my belt. And I will always be able to, to find work. And, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm forced to find that. I'm thankful. Okay. Winding down the mass saying, sell it to me. What, what, what would the people love about this movie besides, you know, the, the wrestling and, 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 you know, the, is it like sort of like a Rocky type story for like, you know, the average moviegoer going to see a movie? <laughs> 
it's uh, it touches on a lot. It, it hits a lot of chords, man. I mean, you watch uh, Pastor Chris. He goes from a pro wrestler. He's supposed to go out on top and to face the Reaper. The Reaper, you know, takes care of him, and so he he goes out injured. So you're sorry for him. He starts to go around to to, to, to preach the word, and he, he runs into some trouble, uh, some rough people, and then he starts you know rebuilding the church and church church starts getting good. And then you see the pastor kind of become a little cocky. You think he's a rock star, not as a wrestler. I think he's a rock star of the past. You're like, wait a second, pastor is supposed to be like that. So that's a nice, unique little twist in the middle of the movie. And then he's going to go back to the wrestling. It's a, it's a real complete story. There's a lot of stories. The daughter, T.J. McKinnon, very well played. The wife, very well played. Patrick McKinnon, very well played. Some of the top Canadian actors are in this film, and it's like they're they're, they're pulling it off. Uh, you're like I said, it's going to strike many chords. It's going to strike your heartstrings. You'll, you'll tear up a few times in there. A few times you're going to get angry. A few times in there, and it really it really runs the gamut of human emotion. And uh, it, it's 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 a really good movie in terms of man, this whole humanity. Yeah, we want to leave that movie there. Like man, you leave with a charge. Like man, that was great. That was good. You know, and um, like I said, man, we'll be proud to be part of something like that. Okay, and my final question to you, Mr. James Preston Rogers, drum roll, please. <laughs> what would the James Preston Rogers of today tell the James Preston Rogers of yesterday? That's a good question. Uh, what did I tell myself yesterday? That's a good question. I don't know. Do you mean yesterday is in 24 hours ago or yesterday is like 10 years ago? Yesterday, 10 years ago. Yeah, I would say, uh, just, my, 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 my thing I tell you now, just follow your joy. I don't make you happy and do that, because, you know, you never know when it's over. I mean, if you're, if you're doing podcasts, do your podcast, because you don't know when, when you're not going to get a chance to do that anymore. So I, I, I realize that. Just find whatever makes you happy and do that. I don't need Toronto to come to L.A., do that, you know. Find what makes you happy and follow that, and then, and then, and then you're happy, man, and you need no regrets, and you Amazing, James. Amazing. Thank you so much. Plug what you got coming up ahead. Plug anything you want to plug. What I got coming up ahead? Oh, geez, oh my God. I got that. I got that thing I can't talk about. So, uh, you got that video game movie I can't talk about. Uh, don't watch the video game movie I can't talk about. Um, I did that spot on Rain, but that plays. I don't even know what network that plays on. That's the AT&T commercial. I think that's a Super Bowl commercial. Um, what else I got coming up? I got something. Do I got something? I don't got nothing coming up. <laughs> if anyone out there is listening, give me a job. <laughs> I'm looking to do some work, man. I want to do some work. Uh, yeah, that's exciting. Just, you know, like, go to my IMDb page, uh, like my page. Because uh, my demo reel is on there. Uh, it's so funny because the demo reel is like 12 years of work in five minutes. But if you watch, watch my demo reel, you'll see, like, wow. <laughs> this guy's done some acting, and it's, uh, I'm proud of it. So, and I'll raise, and I'll raise my, uh, my actor ranking to imdb.com James Preston Rogers and just take a look at my pictures I got a lot of pictures there from a lot of movie sets I've been on some from the Mask State some from Outlander uh, every movie set I was on I took a picture of so there's a bunch of stuff up there and, and enjoy and I, I hope uh, I'll hope, hope find something to enjoy on my page I'm sure people seen you in a movie because you know you was in Pixels you know you was in a lot of other movies yeah. too like you know like hey that, that's that guy you know you know, you worked with Woody yeah, Harrelson starting, too. You know. Starting to get that, starting to get that now. Before you say, "Hey, are you a wrestler? I got a picture of you. I don't know who you are, but you look famous." I say, "I get that all the time." And now they're like, "Hey, they're in the Pixels works." I'm like, "Yeah, I was the, I was the, the Navy SEAL with the hat on. There's like four major Navy SEALs. I have the, I have the long hair. It's funny enough, but I, I turned that movie down. They, they, I went to the audition. Um, 
I said, ah, don't worry, we'll fix that on the day. Okay, great. So they call me and like, hey, my agent called me, well, they love you. They, they, they want to use it. Like, great. But they want to cut your hair. Oh. Ooh, I was like, no. Two, I had 48 hours of hell. I almost cut it. No, I didn't cut it. No, I just cut it. Yeah. And it was up and down, up and down, up and down. I passed. I, I eventually passed on the movie. Yeah. Wow. A couple, three days go by. I'm like, I, I go, oh, I just messed up. I messed up. And then they call me back. like, well, you know what? We'll walk around and put a cap on you or a hard helmet. And they did. And... Luckily enough, because the pixels, because the pixels gave me enough uh, finances, should you say, and enough clout to get my own little visa to come down here, and, and actually that was the starting point for me. So, and that's that's what I mean. I mean, I turned the movie down because I let go and let God go. I was like, you dumbass, you're supposed to take that movie. So then he gave me the movie anyway, and I ended up doing the movie, which gave me enough to get down here and, and start the dream that I really wanted to have happen anyway. So. Just let go, man. Just stop, stop trying to control all the little, the, the small things in your life, and just, just let go, and then and watch the turn around. Yeah, I see big things for you, Mr. James Preston Rogers. And it was a- <laughs> oh, 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 dude, that'd be awesome. I'm excited. We can do this again in a year. We'll see. We'll see how far I've come. Yeah, don't forget about me when you come to New York City. Oh, man, you're, you're putting me on, man. I'm, I'm here for you, bro. I'm here for you. Anytime you need me, I'm here. <laughs> sweet, sweet, man. I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one.